Hi there, and welcome to Unshaken, a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host, and I'm glad you're joining me again today for episode three in season five. It's awesome to be in season five. We have an awesome season planned for you. And hey, it's equally awesome that you're joining us. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite directory. It is really the greatest way to get notifications of new episodes. And we have got some great ones because not only do we have our regularly scheduled episodes this season, but we also are dropping each Thursday an additional episode for our bonus season that's all about motherhood. You do not want to miss those episodes as well. And don't forget to join us on our Facebook page, Unshaken Podcast. This is a great place to dialogue on what you've been learning. And uh, we do some pretty amazing giveaways at the beginning of each season, so you are going to want to join that. Uh, Keep your eye out as we rev up a little bit more in our social media, because you may want to join some of our other accounts, but keep your eye open on the Unshaken Podcast Facebook page for notifications about that. We also have an email. It's unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. Hey, you can send me all kinds of information. If you have some ideas about future podcasts, what would you like to hear about? Maybe some questions you have. I would be happy to get back with you. I check it frequently, and I would love to have some conversation about it. I love all of you guys who are listening. Okay, so now I'm a history fan, and if you've been listening to Unshaken for a while, you probably already know that. I love to read about history. I love documentaries. I love to listen to podcasts about history. If I had a big amount of laundry to fold, I dump it on my bed, and I sit and fold, and I listen or watch something related to history. I just love to learn about things. So actually, one of the recent documentaries I watched was about some famous folklore. Uh, maybe it has some truth in it about two particular families that feuded. You probably can guess who I'm talking about. It's the Hatfields and the McCoys. These were two families that supposedly lived in Kentucky and West Virginia. There's little folklore around them, so I'm not really sure that these stories are 100% true, but there is some truth in them. And really, uh, these two families that began because of a huge feud... And here we go, the legacy of the McCoys and the Hatfield continues. If you bring it up and reference it, most people know what you're talking about. But it's not really a legacy that I want to keep. I would not want to be known as one side of the feud that carried on for over 200 years. But I do think probably we all have some kind of feuds in our lives. Maybe it's with a family member or a neighbor or maybe even a friend. And it is really hard sometimes to walk through these conflicts. Sometimes it's just easier to stay in the conflict, like the Hatfields and McCoys. Today we're going to listen to a talk given by Aaliyah Bailey at the 2019 Regarding Him Women's Conference called Living in Reality. This talk was called Graceful Living, and she's going to share with us how you and I can live with grace with all the people in our lives. Before we jump into her pre-recorded talk, let me share with you the passage of scripture that she references in her talk from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 13 through 15. And then we'll jump right into her talk. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may decrease thanksgiving to the glory of God. Let's jump in as Aaliyah walks us through how we can live gracefully. When I was a teenager, 
one of my grandmothers would regularly compliment me by calling me graceful. As I would walk across the room, she would say, just look at you walk. You really should have gone into ballet. You are so graceful. Now, I would normally just kind of laugh about these compliments because the truth is, I am not graceful. In fact, my dad had a very different nickname for me that I think describes me much better. While my grandma called me graceful, my dad would call me crash. <laughs> you see, while there were five kids in our house and two dogs, it was more than likely that if you heard some kind of thud in the other room, it was me. It was crash. He knew that if there was something to bump into or something to slip on, something to spill, I would find it, and I would crash. My relationship with the inanimate objects around me can be tough. But I, I think that's true for our relationships with people as well, isn't it? The reality is that relationships have challenges. And in this way, I kind of see relationships in my house as being kind of similar. Because in my house, I find these open cabinet doors that are the, right at the same height as my head. And I find these like hard uh, counter corners that are at the same exact height as my hip bone. And I find Legos that camouflage themselves into the rugs, challenges, obstacles that are just waiting to be crashed into. Our relationships are fraught with challenges just like these. If I were to do a survey and ask each and every one of you what kinds of challenges you face in your relationships, I would get a whole spread of different answers. Things like, I'm just shy, or I'm way too busy for friends. He is not thoughtful. She once said something really unkind about me. She has never reciprocated my desire for friendship. He chews with his mouth open. <laughs> she never follows through on her responsibilities. We face many different challenges in our relationships. Sometimes they're personality differences that just make navigating life next to each other hard. Habits that we find annoying in others or ourselves beliefs or opinions that we just cannot relate to or understand, sin that someone has committed against us. I don't think that it takes much arguing for us to all agree that relationships really do have challenges. And while it's true that our experience shows us that relationships can be tough, the reality is that God has created us as relational beings. And he's given relationships a beautiful and powerful purpose. When God created the first man, he named him Adam. And it wasn't long before God said it is not good for the man to be alone. Now at this point, the book of Genesis tells us that there was no sin in the world. And God and Adam walked with each other and talked with each other in the paradise that God had created. So why would God say that this situation wasn't good? Was it bad? Was it just not complete? For a better understanding, let's take a step back to before that point in history. 
Before the world was created, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were, and they existed in perfect unity. In John 17, 24, Jesus, as he's praying to God the Father, says, You loved me before the foundation of the world. We know that God is and always has been a relational God. Now let's go back to Genesis. Genesis 1, 26-28 says, Then God said, Let us, and we can notice here that there's a relationship within what we know as the Trinity, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The first thing I'd like us to notice in these verses is that God, from all eternity, is relational. And we have been created in his image, so we are relational. It is woven into our very being, and it is good. You see, God made this first man, and he had a relationship with him. Even with that relationship, something was missing. In my own mind, I kind of think, well, Adam had God, right? So he wasn't really alone, was he? But God said that he was. God said that un until he had another human to have relationship, Adam was alone. You see, in each of our hearts, there is a desire and even a need for relationship with other people. And God created us that way. God desires relationship with his creation, and he has implanted in each and every one of us a desire for relationship. So yes, the reality is that relationships have challenges. But those challenges do not change the fact that God has created us to be in relationship with other people. The second point I'd like to draw from these verses that we just read is that God has given human relationships purpose. In Genesis 1:28, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. God has a great mission and he called these first two people and every person after them to be a part of that mission, a part of that purpose. The first part of the mission in verse 28 is to fill the earth with people. And remember we said that people are created in the image of God. God wants to fill this world with more image bearers. His desire is that this world be filled with his image. And it's interesting to note that rather than fill it in an instant, like he filled our skies with light and like he filled the oceans with water, his design is that it would be filled through the love of human relationships. The second part of the mission that God has given humans responsibility in is to subdue the earth and to rule over everything in it. Here, it's helpful to remember that over and over in Scripture, God, we are told that God is a king. He's the great king of kings. We didn't read the entirety of the creation story, but in it we see the light and the darkness, the land and the water, the plants and the animals, all obeying the voice of their king. His word is law. In the verses we read together, God is giving mankind the mission 
to rule over and fill this earth with his kingdom. This kind of reminds me of when I was a kid, and my dad and my stepmom would leave me and my four siblings at home while they would go out. They would say something that a lot of the moms of older kids here have probably said. Before they would leave, they would say something like, now, Aaliyah and John, my older brother, are in charge until we get back. Everyone listen to them, and you do what they say. Now, I knew that the point of that wasn't for me to, like, just get rid of all the rules while they were gone, or to write my whole new, a whole new set of rules until they got back. No, the point was to keep things in the order that they would have it, and to make sure that they, everything was taken care of until they got back. In the verses we read together, in the first few chapters of Genesis, we see God creating his kingdom. In it, everything we would need is provided for. He was with his people in the Garden of Eden, walking and talking with them personally. His people are free from sin and guilt, and free to have real, authentic relationships with one another. We're told that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. That means that they actually knew each other up until the point that they disobeyed God and sin entered into this world. The world that we live in today isn't this kind of paradise. It's different than it was immediately following creation. We no longer live in that kind of world. God's kingdom isn't here in, his, in its fullness. Our relationships are no longer what Adam and Eve's was because we face challenges that just didn't exist in those first days. But our mission has not changed. What God wants from us and for us hasn't changed. And our relationships still have the same great purpose. To fill this world with God's image and to spread his kingdom wherever we are. Yes, our relationships have challenges. But the way we respond to those challenges will determine the extent to which we are a part of carrying out God's mission. Now, there are several ways that we can respond when we face difficulties or challenges in a relationship. One is to be a crash. So my friend doesn't text me back right away. When I'm a crash, I get kind of irritable or passive-aggressive. Or someone says something snide to me or about me. When I'm a crash, I'm going to replay that over and over in my mind. And I will probably think about what I might just say the next time that will teach her not to be so rude. A Facebook friend posts something offensive or something that I find ignorant. When I'm a crash, I might comment something kind of snarky. Or I will look down on her from that point on in my own mind which is just as bad, and maybe even talk to some other people about it. You know, as a crash, when I was a teenager, I broke things, I made messes, and I damaged and bruised my own body. When I crashed, I caused damage. And when we crash in our relationships, which is to say when we sin in our relationships, when we disobey God in our relationships, we are doing the same exact thing. We're causing damage and destruction both to ourselves and to others, and we aren't doing anything to carry out God's mission. We don't look anything like God's image. You can remember in our first talk, Andrea 
talked about the fact that God created a way for our sins to be forgiven. He created a way for us to be free from our sins. God is full of grace, but the crash is just the opposite. So one way we can fail to carry out God's mission in our relationships is to crash. But that isn't the only negative way we can respond. You know, as a teenager, I might have been clumsy. And I might have broken some things and caused myself some pain. But that only really happened because I was actually up and moving. If I had spent my entire life sitting on a couch, I might have avoided some pain. But then again, I would have spent my entire life sitting on a couch. Sometimes we can respond to the fact that relationships have hardships by doing just that. I know the name sounds a little funny, but I think that it's helpful. We are relational couch potatoes. So what does it look like to be a relational couch potato? It looks like avoiding real, authentic relationships. Not doing the work and taking the risk of letting people in. Putting on facades and not being honest about what is really going on. Being content with the way our relationships are or aren't, and not giving them any time or effort. You know, I think it's important to say here that it is quite possible, and I think probably a huge temptation, to be very active on social media, and yet to be a couch potato when it comes to real social relationships. Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. They actually knew each other. They did not hide. But the very nature of social media is that everything is veiled. We present only what we choose to present, and we see only what others choose to display. We can create this image of ourselves that may or may not be true to reality. Interacting with people through social media can be completely removed from any real, authentic relationships. Now, of course, this doesn't have to be the case. Many people who have thriving relationships also interact on social media. I know that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and Snapchat can be beneficial and productive for our relationships, but we are shortchanging ourselves if we don't consider whether or not we're using social media and yet not getting off the couch in terms of real relationships. When we're relational couch potatoes, we are not living in the reality that God intends for relationships to be authentic. Adam and Eve were not fake with one another. And it only became difficult to be real after sin entered into the world. We have the opportunity to be a picture of God's kingdom when we interact with each other in the way that God desired us to from the very beginning. So be real with the people around you. Don't hide from relationships because you're afraid or because you want to avoid the pain that may come. Remember that God still has a purpose for our relationships. And carrying out that purpose, that mission of filling this world with God's image and spreading his kingdom is powerful because it can only be done through God's power. 
Acting as crashes and couch potatoes doesn't do anything to carry out God's purpose. Both damage relationships and keep them from thriving in a way that would cause God's kingdom to grow. But the reality is that Christians have the ability to carry out God's mission by living gracefully. What would it look like in your life to put more effort into fulfilling God's mission in each and every one of your relationships? How could you use your relationships to spread God's image? All people are created in the image of God. But as we read earlier before Leanne's talk this morning in 2 Corinthians 4.10, the life of Jesus is revealed or it's manifested in the body of a Christian. If something is manifested, it's made clear, it's made obvious, it's revealed. The Apostle Paul says that he lived in a, such a way that everything was for other people's benefit, just like Jesus did. And when we live in that way, for other people's sakes, for other people's benefits, we are making Jesus' life clear to those around us. We can be an image of Jesus. I read a book this past year that drastically affected the way I view my relationships with everyone around me. The Gospel Comes with a House Key is about what the author calls radically ordinary hospitality. Now, hospitality literally means love of strangers. And the author describes this mission that I'm talking about in very simple terms. To see strangers become neighbors and neighbors the family of God. When I'm wanting to see strangers become neighbors and neighbors the family of God, every interaction and every relationship has meaning. I have huge motivation to actually get to know each other, somebody else because I want them to see Jesus in me and I want them to be a part of my family in God. What would that mean in the face of challenge? I think we can all imagine that opening our lives up to people and showing real purposeful love to both stranger and neighbor is going to open us up to some difficulties. But the mission should drive us forward. We can look outside of ourselves. We can look outside of our own comfort and outside of our own insecurities. We can look outside of petty offenses and even more serious offenses. Because Jesus gave himself up. In imitation of our Savior, are we willing to do the same? And what will the result be? In the passage that Anna read right before this, the Apostle Paul says that all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to overflow to the glory of God. Living gracefully is not living in a world without obstacles and challenges. Rather, it's facing those challenges as Jesus did, not becoming bitter or disillusioned. So someone doesn't text me back right away. When I'm graceful, I know that I forget too. Someone says something snide to me or about me. When I'm graceful, I remember that I have been forgiven for so, so, so much. And so I can forgive. Someone, a Facebook friend, posts something offensive or something that I find ignorant. When I'm graceful, 
I can talk to her about it in person without haughtiness. Or I can remember that I'm not perfect either. Living gracefully is entering into relationships that aren't easy or comfortable because that is what Christ did for me. Living gracefully means that when we've crashed, when we've sinned, we can acknowledge it. We can get up and we can keep moving towards our mission. Just as the Apostle Paul speaks of God's grace spreading to more and more people, crashes and challenges present endless opportunities for us to show God's grace amongst his people. Rather than acting out of fear and keeping people at arm's length, we can move forward with confidence, knowing that we're carrying out our king's mission. We can apologize to those we've wronged, and we can truly forgive those who have wronged us. We can see strangers become neighbors, and neighbors the family of God. And for those who are already our family in God, we can practice living in the way that we will live when Christ returns and his kingdom is here in its fullness. Paul speaks of God's people being raised up together along with Christ. When that day comes, we will live in perfect unity and we won't feel the need to hide from one another because our sole focus will be on serving and worshiping the Lord together. And that is God's kingdom. Let's follow Jesus in each and every one of our relationships. He did not hold himself aloof because you and I have issues. He made himself vulnerable to real pain and real sorrow. Jesus has never, did not throw up his hands in frustration and give up on his relationship with you. Jesus forgave and he forgives continually when he is our Savior and our Lord. He wants to know each and every woman in this room. Will you join me in imitating him? Christ is leading us in a great mission. Let's live gracefully as we see our relationships for what they actually are. Central in fulfilling God's mission of filling this world with his image and bringing his kingdom in its fullness. So what about you? How are you living in your relationships? Are you a crash? Are you easily offended and frustrated when the people around you are just being people? Do you expect forgiveness from others but are not quick and willing to give it? Or are you a relational couch potato? Do you sit on the sidelines and wait expecting others to come to want to be your friend and have a relationship with you? Or are you lounging on the couch because you don't really want to go through all that hurt again? Or are we living in a grace-filled, grace-full relationships? Are we image bearers of God to those around us? Are we using our relationships as a way to share the gospel and be kind and loving as an, and as an example of Jesus Christ? These are all really good questions to ask after we talk about our relationships. I'm pretty sure everyone listening has the same current reality. I bet we have some like wonderful, loving people in our lives. And I bet we also have some people who are difficult and hard to love. We might even have some people in our lives that have really hurt us. But as Aaliyah challenged us today, and actually God's word challenges us, we are called to live grace-filled lives in our relationship. It's definitely work, ladies, but we can do it with God's help. 
Remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.